0: Be part of an innovative fine arts community immersed in a top research university. Carnegie Mellon University's School of Music's world-class vocal department constantly works at the cutting edge of musical art forms. CMU performance faculty are creating projects that leverage musicians' skill sets in unique and applicable ways. Students are challenged to think outside the box as they engage with non-traditional performance spaces, collaboration with electronics, and improvisation, alongside a robust program of traditional studies, languages, recitals, and operas. To learn more about Carnegie Mellon University and to apply, visit the link in the show notes of this episode. So,
1: so, so lit. This is So Lit! Songlit, a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. Where we reimagine the repertoire by introducing less familiar art songs through sound clips and lively discussion. I'm vocal coach Ellen Rissinger. I'm soprano Tony Marie Palmertree,
2: and I'm tenor Zachary Dean Smith.
0: Join us as we explore this exciting repertoire. Solid, solid, reimagining the repertoire. One of the things I love about this season is how many times we have to do Polish repertoire. I'm glad
2: you're loving it.
0: (laughs) That's a sick joke. (laughs) And I'm going to make another shout out to Mark Trofka at the Pittsburgh Opera for helping us with Polish lyric diction, because it's not easy. And especially once you know Czech and Russian, there are parts of it that it makes easier. But then you have to realize that the word might look exactly the same, but it's not pronounced the same as in Czech or Russian. Mm. So today we are talking about Julius Wertheim. He was Polish. He also composed, as as we discussed with Szymanowski, he composed many, many songs in German and French. Some of them probably have at least one other translation with their, the song in one of the more common languages that we sing in. If you find a version with the Polish, it may also have the French or the German, which would be hopefully an acceptable substitute because this music is and I'm not going to say beautiful or stunning I'm going to say this is pretty music It mm. really is right? Mm-hmm. That's a good description It feels to me very Schumannian mm-hmm. Yeah And especially with the way he does the piano But here I am going off about the music <laughs> What do we need to know about the person
2: there isn't as much we know about him. He wasn't quite as uh, big of a figure as some of our previous characters. We know he was born into a fairly uh, well-to-do family in Warsaw, which helped make him, you know, helped him make some connections with a variety of people. One of the most important people and the people that he would have sort of a lifelong uh, friendship with, um, and that's not friendship with a capital F, just a regular friendship with, <laughs> um, was Arthur Rubinstein, um, who of course we all know here.
0: Exactly. We should also give his dates 1880 to 1928. So speaking as someone who is older than 48 years old, (laughs) uh, he was a very young man when he passed away. Yeah.
2: And I mean, not that this is particularly unusual for some composers, but unfortunately, he did pass away at the conducting stand live on air oh he had a heart attack um while he was conducting um the prelude to meisterzinger um
0: well i mean
2: (laughs) with the warsaw philharmonic orchestra and he passed away as he was conducting it
0: oh that's so hard wow yeah
2: it's awful yeah um But as far as I can tell, he had a very rich life before that, again, with his connection with Rubenstein, which they apparently had a bit of a funny relationship between the two of them, because although the older pictures may not uh, give us any indication of this, their time must have been quite a looker back in the day, because (laughs) he may have looked a bit like Dracula in the older photos, but, you know,
0: some people like that! And the book Dracula came out 1897, when he was, so when he was 17, a teenager. teenager. So if he looked like that, maybe that
1: was... I don't know.
2: No, uh, according to...
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone is now Googling if they're not driving. <laughs> Wait, let me look at this. <laughs>
2: no, according to some stories, um, because he was friends with Arthur Rubenstein, and they would hang out a lot together... Women would often be interested in their time and approach him and like try to see what they you know if they could you know have a little fun with him and then when he uh, confided in the fact that he was uh, not for sale as it were <laughs>
0: playing <laughs> in a different sandbox mm-hmm, so to speak of a
2: different tree um, they would instead <laughs> go for his friend Rubenstein huh, who sort of I guess would have regarded their time as his wingman.
0: That I was suppose? I was just gonna say he was the wingman. <laughs> mm-hmm. It worked. I mean,
2: Mm -hmm. hey, if you have a friend who, you know, everybody else is after but isn't available, take advantage of it where you can, I guess. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. There is a decent amount of repertoire available to us from Mm -hmm. that time. And the first one we're going to start with is Opus 16, number one, Vsvoncu. And when I said pretty earlier, I mean pretty. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. pretty. It's so delicate and filigree and... The piano part, again, it feels like I'm playing Schumann when I play this. Hmm.
2: For Swansu, correct me if I'm wrong, means to spring, yes, or just springtime. And as you listen to this piece, you can hear the tinkling brooks, the, the breezes all throughout. It's just got that perfect springtime-like image to it.
0: I actually meant to say this also with Siegfried Wagner with the one piece. It feels a little Bugs Bunny ish in some moments. a little bit. Like when you know you feel Bugs Bunny like going through the fields, <laughs> and not. And I don't mean this in a funny way. I mean this like, yeah. a, like it just mm-hmm. gives you that emotion of spring that we have is from being a child. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. it's an innocence, absolutely in yeah. a way. And the vocal line on top of it is so glidy mm-hmm. and so legato. Yeah, beautiful. It also doesn't just stay in one register. You get some high notes, but you also get to sing in the bottom of your voice in this song. You do.
2: If you have that sort of middling range, this is a great song for you.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, when I say Schumann, one of the things Schumann was known for was having postludes. This song has a lovely postlude in the piano.
2: And some lovely, like, middle ludes as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> Moving I mean, along from Swanzu, we have "Chemushia Chakohatch Musha." Try and say that three times fast. <laughs> I had to sing it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and this, I, I'm just going to go back to Schumann. This feels again Schumannish,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's got it's got a lovely twelve-eight. It's very it's not rollicking.
1: It's wavy. Mm, I just enjoyed this beautiful simple melody over your rollicking tones beneath me, (laughs) and I had fun learning the language.
0: And the last piece in Polish that we wanted to
1: talk about is "Listeki Serce. This song is the classic that when I think about the Czech or even Polish, I have sung some other Polish um, songs from Maniuszko. Like it could be the most beautiful text about how much, oh, my little child, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. But man, does it sound dark and gloomy. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what this is. You know, it's a love song, but it, it has that like darker color to it, even though the words do not allude to that whatsoever. So I also feel like this has a lot of folk yeah. feeling to it. Yeah. It's a little more
0: chordal. It's the 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 actual vocal line is a little more dum-da-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, mm-hmm. sort of the rhythms that we associate with yeah. with folky if this were
1: in a major key and like slightly faster, it would be a drinking song. Like, but being... <laughs> yes. Different words. Yes. Maybe. maybe.
0: that was the Polish section of our interview today. We are now moving into the German section and I love these. I love, I love all of these songs, obviously in case no one can tell, (laughs) I just find his music stunning. So the next piece we want to talk about is called Liebesahnung. The, the Ahnung is like, like a foreboding, like the, not foreboding in this sense, but this is the, the presage to, to love. Premonition. Premonition right. of love, something to that, that effect. And when you say todis Anung, it's like the premonition of death or the foreboding of death. Mm. In this case, we say Anung, the premonition of love. Mm. And
1: this again, this feels almost hymnish, him hymn-like. Yes, just simple melody, help from the piano, just a really enjoyable, sing, you know, in the parlor around the piano.
0: Yeah, I mean these of of any of the things we've talked in the past couple of weeks these we could give to a young singer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they could thoroughly enjoy them. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last song we wanted to talk about is gekommen ist der mai from his fear leader. And this I just want to say that again the piano part is so very schumannish and and you can almost feel a waterfall
2: I mean, with the way that those notes just keep descending in rapid patterns like that, absolutely, I can hear the waterfall in that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that his experience as a pianist shines in almost all of his pieces, especially some of the previous ones, that they could be like piano sonatas on their own. Yeah. Um, not as much this one, because it sort of repeats um, a lot of patterns. But in his previous pieces, it could totally be a piano sonata on its own without the voice. Do you know what you said about the first time you heard it? Oh, yes. It, <laughs> I don't know why, but just my brain went to uh Kretchen am Spindrader. <laughs> You know, long vocal lines with the piano just, like, charging on.
2: no, I can hear that. The way that there's that speed underneath with just the floating sort of, like, lengthy lines on top. I hear what you
0: mean with that. Yeah, that's just the first thing that popped in my mind. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's sort of that perpetual motion thing that I think gives Mm -hmm. you that sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I know when you said that, my first instinct was, but that's not what my hands are doing. They're doing a completely different feel, but I get that from the outside it comes out a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I just want to say these songs, almost any of them could be sung by young singers. You might have to curate a few things just because of tessitura or because of the language if the Polish is, pro- is problematic. But in general, these songs are lovely. They're accessible. I think audiences
1: would love them mm-hmm. and would really just eat them up. Absolutely. And and even presenting the Polish language would be exciting, you know, for everyone involved. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that even as a singer, none of them were too difficult to tackle. So, if you wanted to, you can dive a little more into the the depth of what Polish music is um, in a way that you couldn't have, say, with the Shubinovsky, who we covered earlier this season, where you're focusing not only on your technique and you know making sure you're in tune with the piano, Polish on top of that. This presents a much easier way to tackle the Polish language if mm. that's something that you want to really sort of add to your toolbox.
0: Musical clips for this episode were performed by soprano Tony Marie Palmertree, tenor Zachary Dean Smith, and pianist Ellen Rissinger, and recorded at Morningstar Studios in Norristown, Pennsylvania.
1: Purchase information for the scores discussed in this episode are available in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this podcast. Episodes drop every first, third, and fifth Thursday of each month. So lit songlit is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org/podcasts.
4: Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional songmaking at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events. And we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit CincinnatiSongInitiative.org slash audit.